What's up? This is Forte Catholic Radio. I am your host, Taylor Schroll, and it is a good day today. October 25th holds a special place in my heart for a couple of reasons. Number one, it's my birthday today. Everybody say happy birthday. Thanks, Jake. I heard one person, my producer, and I know all of you just said it driving around in your car out there. Um, It's also a good day today because the Baseball World Series begins today, and we all know that something special is going to happen because the Cubs, who haven't won in a bajillion years, are in the World Series today. That's a lot of fun. And my good buddy, we, he, him and I go way back. His last name's James. His first name's LeBron. Um, he is kicking off his season tonight, and they are unveiling the championship banner in Cleveland today. So it's a very, very good day. Excited to be here on the air on my birthday. If you were with us last week, we uh, went live on my wife's birthday. So it's just been a, a, a birthday uh, extravaganza around here recently. we got a great show planned for you today. Uh, we had a, a, a lot of fun with last week's show. Um, it was it, it really was a lot of fun. We had um, uh, just, uh, we did our first Forte 5 segment of all time. We had my friend Connolly Kruger, who's in the Corps of Cadets here at A&M. Um, it was just we just we just had a lot a lot of fun. And if you missed the show, if you missed that show, if you missed any of our previous shows, you can find the show on iTunes. You can listen to the podcast, subscribe to that, and if you like it, you can um, uh, rate it, comment on it. It would help kind of boost the publicity of it and kind of get more people to be able to to listen. So thank you all for for those of you who have been supportive of the show so far. But enough of that. Let's get into. Today, So the plan for the day is a couple of things. I want to share with you uh, a couple of things that I learned um, and kind of grew in, was challenged in. And when I went to uh, a conference for work the other day, it was called the Climb Fundraising Conference. So for those of you that don't know, I'm a a full-time missionary. I work with Ablaze Ministries here in town. I um, um, work in youth ministry, building up youth ministers um, so that we can forge youth for Christ in, in the church. And one of the things that we do as missionaries is we fundraise. So we fundraise our salary. So I have a team of people who, who support me monthly, who, who have supported me through, um, through one-time donations. And that's like how, how we live. And that, like, that's, that money is actually how I'm able to do all of my ministry from, from youth ministry even, even to the show. So we went to this uh, climb fundraising conference so that we can learn how to better fundraise and how we can train our staff on how to fundraise. And there's a, a couple of things that obviously you know don't pertain to everybody because you know 99% of you listening don't fundraise your salary. Um, but I learned a few things about about money. I learned a few things about um, our Christian relationship with money and how we're supposed to be stewards of what God has given us um, that I want to share with you today. I learned the importance of questions. Uh, we'll get into that. Um, I learned the importance of uh, just like taking a retreat, some time away. It was a great time for me to just kind of rejuvenate and kind of get out of my normal normal day-to-day. And it was also a great time of Christian brotherhood. There was a group of men there that uh, really got to pour into me. We got to pour into each other, have a lot of fun, and we were growing together in our faith. And that was a, a really neat thing. So actually, one of those guys that I met is actually going to be on the show today. His name's Matthew. He is in Colorado. He's a, he's a fellow missionary, um, and he's going to call here um, in about 20 minutes, and we're going to talk about Christian brotherhood and what that looks like in his life, what, what it should look like um, for us. So if you're a girl and you're listening out there, like, don't worry. Like, <laughs> it's, it's important for you to know about Christian brotherhood as well, and there's also, you know, like we're all in this together. So we're going to be specifically talking about what it means for um, how important it is for, for guys to stick together in our faith because, like, we all know that there's a, a tragedy within our church that the, a lot of men aren't as active as you know as as God's calling them to be. So we'll talk about that a little bit. But I just want to first start off with this with this topic of questions. So it's been something that has been that has continually popped up in my life over the past few weeks, and recognizing that Jesus, the greatest teacher of all time, rarely, very rarely answered a question with a, with a straight answer, or he very rarely just like stopped and started teaching. The best thing that he did in his teaching was ask questions. He was the master of, of asking questions. Um, I, I was looking through, um, doing some research before the show and before a couple of talks that I've been given recently, and Jesus 
was asked somewhere around 300 questions. He answered two of them with a straight answer. Like the exactly like, you know, if I asked Jake in here in this studio, hey, Jake, what do you want for lunch right now? He would probably tell me um, an exact answer, not ask me another question, you know. But Jesus was always asked questions and he would ask questions right back. Two times he gave a direct answer. And most of the time, instead of, you know, just coming out and telling people the answer, he would ask ask a question. Um, here's a couple of examples here in the scriptures. Um, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 46, he says, if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Like, you know, he didn't use the negative, like just like start yelling at people like, hey, you should love those who love you. No, he asked a question because asking that question, oh, what reward will you get? It makes us start to think about, oh, what was that? What does that look like in my life? How am I supposed to live this out? And so I have a list here of 135 questions that Jesus asked in the Gospels. And I'm just going to, uh, for the next 16 minutes, just going to read these questions um, aloud. So number one, no, I'm just kidding. I'm not, I'm definitely not going to do that. So uh, let's talk about the importance of questions and what Jesus asking these questions um, actually did. Um, the first thing that he kind of employed, he answered question. He answered questions with questions. So in Mark chapter Mark chapter eight, when his followers asked Jesus how he planned to feed the crowd of four thousand people, so they come up to him. It's like, hey Jesus, we've been walking around in this place in the middle of nowhere for days, and there's a lot of people here, and we don't have any food for them. So how are you going to feed them? <laughs> Which I, I love that whole scenario, trying to picture that in my mind. And Jesus asked them, you know, responds with the question, how many loaves do you have? And that question kept his followers involved, right? Because we all know how that story ends. We know that that story ends with Jesus saying, or with Jesus multiplying the loaves and the fishes, and he ends up feeding everybody. Like, he knew what he was going to do, but in order to keep his followers involved, he said, how many loaves do you have? And then, you, you know, they went and asked, and there was a little boy who had a few fishes and loaves, and they were brought to him. So that story, like he keeps his followers involved because he wants us to be involved in his work. So like in our lives, Jesus could just do accomplish whatever he wanted to accomplish, but he wants he wants us to be involved in that. There was a Casting Crown song a, a couple of a couple of years ago. You know, one of the lyrics was how refreshing to know you don't need me, and how amazing to find that you want me. Like God's will, God is the most powerful being in the entire world, right? Like his will will be accomplished somehow. And he has, he wants you to participate in that. And if we do, great. We're participating in this mission that God has given, given to us. Like if we don't, like he doesn't need us. He'll find another way to get his will done, right? So the, that's the first thing, answering, answering with questions. The second thing that, that questions do is it gathers data. So by saying how many lows do you have, like he he finds out what what they have and what that what they can offer. Um, a factual question such as how many years have you worked in your current job doesn't require much like personal disclosure, but it reveals insights about the person. So it, 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 you can learn things about people by asking questions. And uh, one of the one of the things that I that I picture with this a lot, one of the best times that we ask questions is when we first start dating people. Like we want to get to know someone and by asking them questions, we get their answers and it gives us insight into them. It's like, oh, if you, because if you go on a first date, let's say you go on a blind date with somebody and you ask them the question like, oh, what do you do for a living? And they say something illegal, like that is an insight that you probably don't want to be dating this person, right? So you're able to gather data by asking questions where if you just talked the whole time, you wouldn't be able to learn those things about those people. Um, another thing that, that Jesus uses, um, questions for is making statements. It's like, okay, Taylor, you're going crazy. What are you talking about? So Jesus is able to, um, ask questions to communicate powerful things without being rude or being, coming off as like combative. And he says, uh, for instance, he says, why does this generation seek a sign? And that comes across a lot better than, 
you stubborn group of unbelieving people. Like, why are you asking me these questions? He says, no, like, why, why does this generation seek for a sign? And again, instead of being yelled at by Jesus, and we're, and we're, we're, I know if you're yelled at or if I'm yelled at, I begin to back off and be like, oh, man, like, I don't want to listen to this guy. But if he asks a question, why does this, why does this generation seek for a sign? I'm able to ask myself if I hear that, oh, like, why am I seeking a sign? Why can't I, you know, believe and have faith in these, these sorts of things? Um, another way that we can ask questions is, uh, or another reason that Jesus asks questions is, is to communicate his passion. So in Mark chapter 8, Jesus asks his followers, why are you talking about having no bread? Uh, do you still, still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes and fail to see and ears but fails to hear? So, like, Jesus is, is asking these questions, and, um, and he's able to communicate how passionate he is about what's going on. Um, I, I think about this all the time. It's like whenever, you know, you get in an argument, you're getting passionate about something, I, I, I tend to ask questions. What are you talking about? What are you doing? You know, and a lot of times that's communicating passion. You're also kind of making a statement about what, what you really feel, but you're asking questions. Um, and then one of my one of my favorite questions of all time um, that Jesus asks is actually um, whenever he he is uh, he has just done this great miracle of feeding you know the the multitudes right so there there's actually in one of the gospels he actually does this twice he feeds four thousand and then he feeds five thousand and in the, in the first story. Um, they go, they have extra food, right? And they, they go and they collect, um, seven wicker baskets full of, uh, or excuse me, 12 wicker baskets full of fish and loaves. And that happens in a Jewish area. And then when it happens again, and it, and it happens in a, a Gentile area, like a non-Jewish area, they go and they collect all the leftovers and it's seven, there's seven baskets left over. And so I was reading this when I was in college and that, that story, that second story ends with the question, do you not net understand? And then the chapter ends and it goes on to another story. So I'm sitting there reading it in the church and I have no idea what's happening. So I go into the, to the campus pastor and I'm like, Jesus asked this question of his disciples. Do you not understand what, like what has just happened? And I'm like, no, I don't understand what has just happened. So because Jesus asked this question, I go and I seek the answer. What this pastor tells me is, you know, is, is really neat that in the Jewish area, they collected 12 extra baskets full. And that symbolized that Jesus had come for the, the 12 tribes of, of, of Israel. Like he had come for the people of God. You know, the, the Jews had been, the Israelites had been the people of God throughout the entire Old Testament. And Jesus was coming and, and, and uh, to fulfill all of the promises that he gave to his people. And then the second story, there are seven left over. And seven is the number of, of completion. So if there's the perfect number of, of three in heaven, so that's the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, that's the perfect number in heaven. And the perfect number on the earth is four. So, you know, the four corners of the earth or the four horsemen. Like we, there's a lot of this symbolism in the scriptures about the number four and that being the perfect number of earth. Well, if you put four and three together, what do you do? You have seven, right? So that was the perfect number. So it was, it was what Jesus was saying is like, I've come for the Jews. I've come for the people of God in the Old Testament, but I've also come for everybody else. And so when he asked that question, do you not understand? He was asking his disciples. He was asking me, the reader, and I didn't get it. But because there was that question, I went and I got an answer and I learned something very, very neat. Um, another, another thing that Jesus did by asking questions is he was seeking feedback. So he was healing a man of his blindness. And as he was, as he was healing him, he asked, do you see anything? And, you know, we can ask the same kind of question. Um, and a question such as, um, do you understand what's going on? Cause like there was a process of healing that Jesus was doing. Like, do you see anything? And it was this, uh, so he was blind and then Jesus started the healing process and he could see kind of like figures. And then Jesus asked, do you see anything? And, and he told him, yeah, I see kind of like, it kind of looks like tall, just like images. And then Jesus healed him, like fully healed him. And then he could see everything. So Jesus was able to get feedback in that. Um, and then he also uses um, probably the, the biggest question, one of the biggest questions that everybody remembers from the Gospels is he using it? He uses these questions for personal application. So um, towards the, the conclusion of of the gospel, 
Jesus asks a, a general question of, of his apostles. He says, you know, who do people say that I am? And they start by giving him information, you know, like he's gathering data, gathering facts, like we talked about earlier. And then, um, you know, they start saying, oh, you're John the Baptist or you're Elijah. And then he flips the question. He says, who do you say that I am? So he takes this question. It's like, oh, this is what other people are saying. Now it becomes a personal thing. Who am I to you, right? And who do you say that I am? Who am I to you? That's the biggest question that Jesus asked in the scriptures, the biggest question that he's asking you and me today. Who do you say, driving in your car, listening to this on the podcast, who do you say that Jesus is? So just like to kind of look at this, it's like, okay, what is, why do we talk about this at all? And I think it's the importance of us walking through these questions. And when we're reading the scriptures, when we're in mass and we're hearing these scriptures, why is Jesus asking these questions and stopping and, and trying to answer those questions, right? But then also the importance of us like asking questions, a- asking questions of, uh, to, to do all of these things, asking questions to, um, to gather data. So like to, to grow, like so that we're not so prideful, we know that we need to grow, we know that we need to learn. The best way to learn is to ask a question. I know a lot of times people are sitting there um, in, a, in a place in their faith where they don't know how to move forward, they have questions, they have doubts about the faith, and a lot of people kind of get hung up on these doubts, and they, those doubts tend to make them start drifting away from their faith, drifting away from the church. When in all actuality, a lot of those doubts and a lot of those questions— are, are good things because it, if we use them correctly and we seek out answers to those questions, we can then know, we can then get answers and we can grow in our faith. We can grow in our knowledge of the faith. We can grow in our, in our love for God. And um, there's just also a great, um, just a reminder from Jesus and, how, and the importance that he put on questions is like, how many questions do we ask of the people around us? You know, when's the last time you asked your your, your wife or your husband or your kids or your, or, uh, your, your coworkers, like ask them a question and ask actually one of the answers. So um, we'll continue our conversation on questions um, a, a little later in the, in the evening. Um, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we will be back with my good friend, Matthew Vicali. I We are going to call him right now and get him on the line. We're going to be talking about Christian brotherhood and the great experience we had at the Climb Fundraising Conference. Um, also, in, th- in the third segment, we're going to be on Facebook Live. So if you want to join us there, that's going to be a lot of fun. If you have any questions for me, I'll be answering them in the third segment. You can also call us at 855 855- Six eight three seven three three two. We'll be right back. All right, we're back. This is Forte Catholic. I'm Taylor Schroll. You're listening to our fourth live episode and the first ever episode on my birthday. It's been a good day today. Um, so in, in our in our first segment, we were talk. I, I mentioned that I went to the Climb fundraising conference a couple of weeks ago, and I met my friend uh, Matthew Jolly Bacali. Is how he told me how to remember how to say his name. What's up, Matthew? Hey, how you doing, Taylor? I'm doing great. So, um, Matthew, Matthew, we met. What was it? Two, uh, a week and a half ago, or so? Yeah, about two weeks ago. Yeah. So we were at the at the Climb fundraising conference. So what were you doing there? So I was there because I work with a ministry that serves the U.S. military. It's called Cadence International. And I went with my director of mobilization, who's the guy who's in charge of helping all of our missionaries around the world raise their support. So we were there because we're trying to get better and better at helping our missionaries be fully funded and get out there and feel really healthy about what they're doing. Yeah, that's great. And I, we we were there for the you know obviously for the same reason. Um, I myself still need to get fully funded. I'm almost there, and and, and we're working on getting our staff there as well. Um, so what what does Cadence International do? So Cadence has been around for over 65 years, and actually was started by some World War II veterans who not only survived uh, the World War II, but they fell in love with the Lord while they were in the military. And they were overseas, and they were under a great amount of pressure. So one of them in particular came back, um, and he said, I need to start a ministry that just focuses on the U.S. military. And sure enough, he did that. He grabbed up three other young men who served with him, 
and they started Cadence International. It used to be called Overseas Christian Servicemen Centers, OCSC, but that was a mouthful, so we changed our name in uh, about 1994 to Cadence International. <laughs> I know that feeling, man. My ministry just did the same thing. We used to be <laughs> Collaborative Catholic Formation Ministries, and that was uh, very descriptive of what we were, but it wasn't. It didn't really roll off the tug, so we, we rebranded yeah, as well. Yeah, what is it now? Ablaze Ministries. <laughs> a lot, there you go. a lot, See, a lot. Ablaze and Cadence. It rolls off the tongue. I like it. Yeah, there you go. So, so uh, what what do you guys do? Like, how how do y'all do your ministry um, with the with the military? Well, we have 250 staff, and most of us are are pastors, and we raise our support, and then Cadence sends us somewhere near a military installation around the world. So we open our homes. We call it hospitality house ministry. And we open our homes, and we invite the service members and their families into our homes. We, we make home-cooked meals. We do Bible studies. We have worship nights. We go on outings. And then, you know, what we really become is just very close friends to, to these service uh, members and their families. And over time, you know, they open up to us. We get to truly share the gospel, talk about the Lord. We get to um, help them in counseling situations. Any kind of ministry you can imagine, we're out there doing it. And we come alongside the military chaplains because they're, they're not you know, fully staffed in, in all of these spaces, and they need a lot of help. So we get to come alongside the chaplains. And it's an ecumenical movement. We work with Catholics and Protestants, and we're just in there, kind of low to the ground and, and uh, serving where we can. That's great. Yeah, you mentioned you know working with Catholics and Protestants. One of the coolest things about um, this client fundraiser for for me at least was like was the brotherhood that we had and like with with all of us there. You know, we had a, a few Catholic groups there, a few non denominational yep. groups, and just kind of across denominations. And we had a a great time like as a whole group with everybody that was there. But especially with our cabin, our cabin was a trip, man. We had we had our a lot of fun. <laughs> we yep. were we it were definitely the, the best cabin for sure. So. Um, you know, there was one night especially where, where me and my boss walked in um, after the evening was over and uh, you guys were sitting there uh, um, just kind of hanging out and we came and hang out with you. What, what was it, like two, or two, two and a half hours or so that we were out there hanging out? Yeah, I think by 11.30 some of us finally said, hey, maybe we should get to bed because the next day we had another full slate of workshops and keynote speakers and yeah, it, w- it wasn't. In that sense, it wasn't good, but in every other sense, it was just awesome. I, 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 and you said it. There were four rooms, four different ministries. Uh, there was a campus ministry from Kansas, you guys from Texas. We were from Colorado. And, yeah, we all sat around uh, in, on these couches, and we just laughed and shared our hearts. And I, I think that's where you kind of found out my heartbeat. This is what I love to do. I love hanging out with other men iron sharpening iron like the scriptures say and just really get into each other's lives that's what we did yeah so i i've, I've heard that before the iron sharpening iron like what what do you what does that mean to you when you hear that well first thing i gotta say is i've been uh i'm, I'm fairly old i'm in i'm in my late 40s now I've what been an old in man ministry for <laughs> i've been in ministry for 24 years and early on i realized i just can't do it alone i i can't do life alone i can't do ministry alone i need guys and my wife is awesome we've been married 24 years she's my best friend but she doesn't give me everything that you know i need when it comes to having real honest and vulnerable relationship like i can with a couple of brothers and that's that's what i've been seeking out for the for the last 20 plus years and it's just done nothing but serve my life well and just make me fuller and richer for it yeah so like why is christian brotherhood so important to you like what what why is this such a big deal for you why is it you know on your heart all the time well i think a couple of things one is i think the the bible's pretty clear that we need each other you know it it's uh it's just a theme that you see in the life of christ and in, in his disciples and you think about that what what if you could have been one of the guys walking with Jesus. And what, what kind of, of uh, relationships would they have had with one another? They would have known everything about each other. And so that's kind of the core, the, the basis for me. And then I'm just a real pragmatist. I love the idea of getting together, you know, like in the morning for coffee or breakfast. In fact, this morning I had breakfast with one guy at 6 a.m. Tomorrow morning I'm having coffee with another guy at 7 a.m. At noon today, a, a, a good buddy of mine, a friend from college and just a dear brother, called from uh, 
from out of state, from Mississippi, and he said, hey, I'm struggling in my marriage. Can we talk? So I spent 30 minutes today at lunch just on the phone with a guy, just walking him through what he's going to do while he's struggling. You know, it's there's always opportunity to help another guy and to be helped when you're down or low, and that's that's why I believe in it. Man, that's awesome. So, uh, like, what has been the the best experience that you've had with with another group of men, um, it, like, kind of in this Christian brotherhood? Well, you know, I'd have to say probably right now. I'm having such a, a, a great time in life because um, there's a, a core group of guys in my life, and they're not all in Denver where I live. They're actually spread out like this friend of mine from Mississippi and um, I have other friends that are that are around the country, but <clears throat> I think what I love is that I can get on the phone or I can get on the Internet and I can connect with these guys. And anytime we're together in the same city, we're, we're, we're together. And right now what I have is just kind of this, this, uh, this feast of relationship that, I, that I've been devouring that is with mature guys who really care about me and they ask good questions. So honestly, you're asking me in the perfect time in life. I've had lower times where I didn't have those relationships, but right now I, I feel like I'm just one of the most blessed guys on earth. <laughs> That's awesome, man. There's been so many like influential guys in my life, you know. And I, I know that I was mentioning earlier that there's this a lot of times like in our churches, um, we see a lot of women who are very faithful and very active in their faith. And at least for me, yeah. growing up, you know, it was it, it's the scale of, of women who are acting their faith in men, it's really scaled more towards, towards the women. So when I finally did get a few like men in my life, I really did start growing in my faith. So, um, you mentioned that there have been times that haven't been so good for you. Like what things go wrong when you're not in Christian brotherhood? Well, here's the circumstances, at least it's been for me. I have gotten really busy with work and ministry and, and when it kind of overtakes my margin in my life, you know, the edges of your day where you could be doing some really cool stuff with your family or you're taking care of your health or you're hanging, like I said, hanging out with some guys. And I've always said you got to kind of work the the edges of your day. So early morning, great time to, to get together with a guy and have coffee. Or late in the evening, you know, the kids are down, they're already in bed, and you go and, and you hang out and watch a good ball game or something but you know go be with with a friend and when i have been too busy with work and and ministry because they're one and the same for me work and ministry is all all just blended together i get overwhelmed i lose my margin and then i I just don't have time and what ends up happening is i i don't have these guys in my life asking hard questions the very questions they need to ask so that i can get out of this rut that i'm in and that that has been um, probably two or three major seasons in my life over the last 24 years where I just felt so like, you know, bone dry because I didn't have those guys in my life. Yeah. Wow. And, uh, and I, let me tell you one time I was at that place where I finally had a, a, a just a, a dear friend, his name's Kelly. And he came to me and he said, I need, I need you to read this book. <laughs> and he handed it to me and sure enough, the book's called margins. And he said, I, I'm not trying to come down on you. I just see it. You are so stressed, and you need time. And by the way, you and I haven't hung out for weeks. And he handed me the book and walked off. And I, uh, I read the book, and it was a real turnaround moment for me. That was about 13 years ago. Oh, wow. Yeah, I think that moment that you had with him is kind of the moment I'm having with you right now. You're challenging me on all, all kinds of these things, right? I know I need to protect the uh, margin. Great, man. Yeah. This is what we do, right? When yeah. men hang out together, they 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 share things that really count, and they share things that God cares about. And when you don't do that, when you you know, don't get me wrong, I love sports. I love talking about you know anything going on in that arena but if we don't get down and dirty and get into the subject matter of our lives that really counts and matters then i think it's just on the surface and we're never we're never really going to be sharp in the way god wants us to be yeah man it it's been it's been great like i mean i you know i just met you a week and a half ago and i already feel like you've you've, you've built me up in 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 uh in my faith and it's just it was a lot of fun uh hanging out with you what was that what was the name of the comedian we watched that night Tim Hawkins. Tim and Hawkins. This is a plug for Tim Hawkins. If if you have not looked him up, get on YouTube and watch his stuff. He's been around for I don't know, 10, 15 years, and I've loved him the whole time and this guy, this guy makes 
anybody laugh at any age, but especially when guys are together, Tim Hawkins just makes you roll. Yeah, we were rolling, man. You know, all six, seven of us sitting out there. And we had, you know, one dude, <laughs> one dude that had been a, you know, all-American all in, in college, played the NBA, and he, you know he's you know seven feet, seventeen thousand feet tall, and just rolling around on the cou- couch, yeah. and like we can't Seriously, talk. Yeah, from... he took up the whole couch. He was so good. <laughs> yeah, <it's good. laughs> and I, I, yeah. I think my abs were sore the next day from laughing so hard. Um, yeah, and that's all part of it, right? I mean, you know, it's about having a lot of fun. When when guys say, "Oh, you know, it's, that's kind of just for for girls or something," which I don't understand how that where that would come from. But when when the guys are like, "Oh no, I'm I'm too." I don't know, good for this or too male for this, too masculine, too macho. I think, man, there's nothing better and there's nothing more male and masculine than getting together with a bunch of guys and laughing your heads off and then allowing that to roll into some stuff that matters that, you know, can go deep. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and, I, you know, so I was there with with, with my boss, Matt, and um, we were uh, – you know, we we got some male bonding time, um, you know, together in the group, but also throughout that week. And him and I were talking just like how awesome that time was for us because, like, you know, I'm I'm new here in in town in in Bryan College Station where I just moved a year ago, and there aren't many men here that I have that relationship with. Like Matt's like my best friend here, um, and 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 you know, he we've shared before that we don't have too many men in our life locally that are kind of building up building us up, and we've actually been seeking that out over the past you know, a couple of weeks, couple of months, and it's, it's starting to happen. And, uh, it was just kind of cool to have that experience. And like th- this kind of mountaintop experiences on, on this retreat at this conference, um, just yeah. to kind of hang out with you guys and kind of see, um, what it feels like when, when men get together, when there are holy men striving for the same things, passionate about the same thing. It was just a lot of fun. Yeah. And it's good because those mountaintop experiences kind of help us ride on to the, the next ordinary day. And then we're we're seeking something that we just didn't think we even needed the day before, and that's that's why I like the mountaintops. I actually ran a camp out here in Colorado for six years, and uh, one of my one of my best uh, weeks or or weekends of the year is when we would have a hundred to one hundred and fifty men show up from one church, and you know you can imagine what those guys are like when they're away from their wives for for a weekend <laughs> and. The amount of stuff, the, just the joy and the laughter, and then also all the craziness, you know, the stuff that we, that we were doing up in the mountains with these guys. But the worship at night, oh, my gosh. And, you know, the Climb Conference was about, what, 75, maybe 85% men. When we're singing and worshiping to the Lord, that that booming sound, the collective voice of men singing yeah, and praising God together, there's nothing better. Yeah, that was that was so powerful for me. I I, I lead worship, and so often, like, I feel like I'm the only person singing in the, you know, the whole church, yeah. man. And uh, so, yeah. like, it was that part was so uplifting for me too to see these men, like, from from you know from twenties all the way up to you know old men like you in their forties, and then you know like right. all, all the way up to like like old men, like people in their seventies and you know eighties, and like man, it was just so cool to see everybody like worshiping together yeah and like just like you said that booming voice like i yeah. I, I imagined uh what at one point during worship like you know in like the, the battle of jericho you know when the walls came tumbling down because everybody's yelling right. and praising and singing like that's what i felt like there so uh speaking of mountaintop experiences right so like you and i went on this mountaintop experience this time where you know we got to learn a lot and there's a lot of sessions but it was a time to kind of get away and, and renew a little bit um but you know that that's what you know, the uh, Peter, James, and John experienced it up on the mountain with the transfiguration when, you know, they had that mountaintop experience and they're like, you know, Peter was like, I want to build tents. You know, I want to live here forever. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but Jesus is like, no, like we have to go da- back down the mountain. Like you and I had to go back, um, you know, yep. down the mountain. You actually went to the mountains in Denver. I went to flat Texas, but like we had to come down from that mountaintop experience to come back into our, our normal lives, to come back into our ministries. So, um, like, what do y'all do, like, with Cadence International, what do y'all do uh, specifically for the men in your ministry? Well, so for men's ministry, which y- you know that the U.S. military is still roughly 80-20, about 80% are still men. And, um, you know, I come in, like you said, I'm an older guy, 47, almost 48-year-old guy. When I walk into a military community, I'm, I'm like the age of the, the colonels and the one-star generals, you know. They're, they're young, and they're um, vulnerable, and they need older men in their lives. So we're recruiting uh, singles and couples to raise up their support, go in as missionaries onto the field, 
and move into community with the U.S. military. And when they do, it's like magnetic. People flock to our houses, and these guys, like myself as a pastor, open. we open our doors and we open our hearts and lives, and young men and women come in. And for me, I was discipling. When I was in Yokosuka, Japan, working with the U.S. Navy, uh, these sailors would come in and they would sit down, you know, in these circles, if you will, and we would open up our Bibles together and just start studying together. And you you can't believe what kind of refreshment that is to guys who spend their days on the ships. And when they're underway, when they're out on the open water, they'll work they'll work six and a half days a week. They'll work eighteen hour shifts and they'll stand watch for twenty four hours at a time with very little breaks except to go to the bathroom and, and maybe to grab a quick bite. So low-hanging fruit man they they come into our house and enjoy the home-cooked meal but then we we just invite them into a place where we say how how are you doing tell me how you really are doing because you've got to be lonely out on those ships you've got to feel vulnerable when you pull into these ports all over the world you've got to feel scared you got to be afraid about what's going on because this is an unsafe world and you're trying to protect us yeah and you know what they it just uncorks them yeah, they dude, can't I'm wait glad. to talk about their lives, and they can't they can't wait to talk about what God could do in their life. Dude, I'm glad y'all are there for them. We got to go, man. Uh, where can we find uh, Cadence International on the web? Real easy, cadence.org. Look cool. it up. Yeah, man. Uh, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for the ministry that you're doing. And uh, if you're out there listening and you want to support ministry to the military, go out and support Cadence International. Uh, Matthew, thanks for being on, man. I, I, I really thanks, appreciate David. it. Bye. Yeah, likewise. Take care, brother. All right, we are back. Back for segment three of Forte Catholic here on my birthday. We're having a lot of fun today. I am live on Facebook right now. Uh, if you want to join in, join me on Facebook. Um, if you, um, What we're doing is we've been talking about the importance of questions today, so I wanted to try out for the first time on our, on our fourth episode asking um, my listeners, asking, asking you guys um, some questions. So if you want to join in on Facebook Live, ask me a question in the comments, and I will answer it on the air. Uh, also, if you want to call in, our number is 85LOVERED-C. That's 855-683-7332, and I will answer your question live on the air. Um, also, if you want to tweet your question at me, I am on Twitter at Taylor Schroll, T-A-Y-L-O-R-S-C-H-R-O-L-L. So I'll just get started with a couple of questions that I already got earlier today. I, I, I kind of sent this out um, right before the show asking if anybody had any questions. Uh, my friend Brian Lennox, who works over in the Archdiocese of Galveston, Houston, um, I, I, I talked to him earlier today, and he, sh- he shot me a question on Twitter just now saying, Happy birthday. He said, Who is your favorite saint and or which saint would you have loved to hang out with on a regular basis and why? So I'm going to kind of cheat and answer both questions with separate saints. So my favorite saint of all time um, and the saint that I chose for um, my confirmation is Saint Christopher. So Saint Christopher, um, th- there's this legend about him that he was uh, he helped people cross the. Uh, there was this big river, and he helped people cross it. There wasn't a bridge. It was way back in the olden days, and so he, you know, he was this big, strong man that um, was really tall, and he would help people cross. Uh, the river by putting them on their shoulders and kind of carrying them and their things across. So um, the as the legend goes is that, you know, there's a small little child that came up to him on the river and was like, hey, can you carry me across? And St. Christopher was like, okay, I will. So he, he carries him across and he starts walking with this little baby on his shoulders and uh, St. Christopher starts to sink into the water. This big, strong man who's carried, you know, fully grown human beings across this river and he starts crippling at the weight of this of this young little baby and uh, as the, as the legend has it excuse me as the legend has it um that child was the child Jesus right and Jesus had the weight of the world on his shoulders on the cross and and throughout his life um and that St. Christopher was feeling that weight on him, right? And kind of what it, you know, it says for us is like, oh, like we can't carry the weight of the world on the shoulders. We can't even carry the weight of our own sin. But Jesus did that for us. Um, and so, like, you know, that 
just kind of the it ta- taught me a couple of things. Like the weight of our sin is is crushing. Like it's a big deal that we can't do on our own, and Jesus came and, and held it for us. But then also that like he's got, he's there to to help us um, to be strong, to to give us strength, to help us to do the things that we want to do. And then the second question, uh, so like that's who I'd want to hang out with on a regular basis. Um, my second, my other favorite saint. Um, who's hard to hang out with on a regular basis um, is Saint Michael because he actually never lived on this earth. He was an archangel, and he was he's the he's the prince of all the angels, and he, uh, he you know he's he's the one that in the scriptures he casts Satan out of he- out of hell out of heaven into hell for his rebellion. So like he's the you know he he um, he's like the he helped he's the prince of spiritual warfare, right? We had a. a a show a couple of weeks ago about spiritual warfare mentioned St. Michael a little bit and prayed a, a prayer that, um, that is written, um, for him. Um, so I, I love St. Michael a lot. He's, he's gotten me through a lot of things, a lot of spiritual warfare stuff. So, um, um, another question I got that I'm not quite sure how to, how to answer, I guess, cause I'm not a, a big, uh, news junkie. Somebody asked me, uh, what, what's your, uh, what, what's been going on in the news with cremation? You know anything about going on in the news on in, on cremation? Not at all. No, not at all. So, uh, sorry, Michael. We have no idea. That was my friend Michael Fagan. We were we were uh, we've been friends for a very very long time. Grew up together on the same street. So, sorry, I can't a- a- uh, ask or answer your question. So, I see there's some people here on Facebook Live. If if you want to um, ask me a question, I'm answering all kinds of questions here on my birthday. Um, because like you know like on your birthday you start questioning a lot of things like oh you know, what have I accomplished in my 27 years? Or what was my best birthday? Uh, Jake, did you have a favorite birthday? That's a hard question. Um, I don't, I wouldn't say that I particularly had a favorite birthday, but I think my most memorable birthday would have been my ninth birthday where I received my first guitar. Um, nice. Because I've been playing guitar, I guess, now for 12 years since I got my first one when I was nine. I gotcha. Yeah, so I... I uh I was trying to think earlier about all the birthday parties that I had as a kid, and they were just I like I remember like parties. I think I cried one time when people sang me happy birthday. But uh, so if you have uh, all that aside, if you have any other questions and want to want to shoot them to me, um, give us a call here eight five love red C. Um, comment comment your question here on on uh, Facebook Live, um, or uh, tweet at me at Taylor Schroll S C H R O. LL. I think I just got another question here on Twitter, actually from Red Sea Radio. I'm in the Red Sea Radio studios right now, and somebody is tweeting at me. Says, "What does um, what does Saint Paul mean when he says that grace abounds where when sin increases?" Um, he says it seems counterintuitive, right? So this is the scripture where Saint Paul's talking. Saint Paul says, um, "Where grace uh, where, where sin increases, grace abounds all the more," right? So it's one of these things where like God's mercy is inexhaustible, right? So we, <clears throat> we can't do anything that'll take us away from, from God's mercy, from God's love. There's that, there's that passage that says, you know, what can separate us from love, from, from the love of God, not um, death or life or angels or principalities or any of these things. Like, so the, this definition of, of sin is like anything that, that like puts a separation between us and God, but like God d- never stops loving us. Right. In in college, I was asked, um, does uh, does God love Satan? And I was in this grad school class, and we all kind of wrestled with that question for quite a while. Like, does God love Satan? And like, by definition, God is love. God loves Satan, right? Like, but God did. I mean, Satan did things that you know there are consequences for that. So, like in my life, um, like another thing that that has been kind of a theme for me this past year is that um, um. That our our power is God's power is made perfect in our weakness, right? So when we're weak and we're and we sin, like the more that we sin, the more grace and the more mercy that God is going to offer us. So like, there's no time that we're ever too far gone from from God. Like there's no like sin that we have committed that we can never come and, and confess and be forgiven by Him and, and and like continue to be loved by Him, right? Um, so another good another good question there. So, um. We've been talking about questions today, and there's there's um, one thing that, uh, that I learned at the CLIMB conference a few weeks ago um, that I wanted to share with you because um, we use, we've used this, uh, you know, a big part of youth ministry is, is small groups. So people um, are in 
um, are in small groups um, a lot, you know, like at, at a youth night, somebody give a talk and then they'll go into small groups and talk about that. And kind of the importance of that is like, you know, God reveals things and he wants us to respond. So our, we, we give these young people a chance to respond um, in their own words, talking about how it applies to their life in small group by asking them questions, but then also, you know, giving them a chance to respond in prayer. But um, I, get, I, I, I went and talked to some parents the other day um, about what I learned at the CLIMB conference about asking questions, some of the things that I talked about in the first segment tonight. And it was this way to ask questions um, that works in youth ministry. It works in parenting. It works with friendships. It works with um, w- with work or whatever. So I just wanted to share this with you, uh, We, you know, because we talked about the importance of questions, but I wanted to give you something practical on, like, how to use this to um, accomplish whatever objective you're trying to do. So I was, I was talking with, with this group of parents and youth ministers, and obviously what they're trying to do is get their kids, either their actual children or the kids in their youth group, closer to God. So there were, there were three ways that are like kind of three steps to this. There's a discovery question, an understanding question, and an application question. So the discovery question asks what? So it's this open-ended question um, that introduces a new topic seeking to gather facts. So, um, so, you know, like what you could do with your kids is like, you know, find a, find a Bible verse and look at that Bible verse. Maybe it's the reading of the day. Maybe it's... Um, um, I know that lot, like I get in my email like a daily verse a day. Like walk through that that thing that uh, scripture by yourself. Look through it and like kind of prepare your questions. Um, so you'd ask a discovery question like uh, so it, it asks what's so like what is Jesus teaching in this passage? Um, and then you you know you just ask them and wait for their response. Then the next question is the understanding question is the why. It's like, why would Jesus say this in the Gospels? Why would Jesus say it this way? Why would Jesus answer with a question instead of giving the answer? Or why would he say this to this particular group of people? And then finally, the application asks how. Like, how does this text apply to your life? Um, so if we just look at like John, John 3.16, right? So if you read John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him might not perish but might have eternal life. So a question you could ask is, um, what is the what is the point that that God is trying to get across to you in the in in this story? And you have a conversation about that, and then after that conversation is kind of over, you'd say, okay, maybe your next question you're asking the understanding question, the why questions, like, why would why would God say, um, what like why would God give His only Son, right? And then you could get your your child or your youth group or whoever um, talking about that. And then the final question is like, in your life, uh, how how will you this week apply this verse to your life? And then like you go from there. And I actually have used this method. All I did, so uh, you know, because a lot of times when we're when we're teaching um, in a classroom or we're teaching at youth nights or we're trying to teach our kids something, we want to you know we we prepare by preparing our argument getting what we want to say done. When, you know, we looked earlier, like it's not really the model that Jesus used. Jesus asked questions. So instead of like preparing all these things that we want to teach someone, we know the objective. Like, so the objective of teaching is like you want this point to come across, right? So and if you, we, you can still get that objective by asking questions. So maybe our objective for going through that passage is like we want, the objective is that we want the person that we're teaching to know that, that God loves them so much that he gave his only son, for them, right? And then you ask questions crafted to, to, to get that objective um, accomplished. Um, and, and this was just like huge for me because I think so often, you know, you and me, we all just want to talk and talk and talk. Like I've proven that. I have a radio show where I talk to myself for, for an hour, right? Um, but we need to be asking questions, asking questions in our faith, asking questions of our, of our spouse, asking questions of our kids, asking questions of our friends, like, no, asking, how are you doing today? And really mean, how are you doing today? Right. And like actually getting to know that. Right. So, 
Um, that, that was kind of that. And then the, the last thing that I want to do today is I want to do a Forte 5. So last week we introduced um, our Forte 5 segment. So it's our, um, it's our segment where I do a little countdown. The last thing that I wanted to, to mention on today's show was just what I learned about, about money and stewardship at this conference. So we are going to start our Forte 5 right now. All right. So this is our Forte 5 of the top five scriptures about stewardship and about our relationship with money. Number one, Romans chapter 12, verse 1. It is part of submitting ourselves to the Lord. This is teaching on lordship, like why this is important. Like we learn from stewardship that lordship is important. Look up Romans chapter 12, verse 1. In Romans chapter 8, verse 12 through 14, we learn that uh, through stewardship that we're putting to death the needs of the body. So because we're being stewards, we're, we're, we're saying that God's, God, God's purposes are more important than my purposes. Another thing that we get um, out of stewardship, what we learn from the scriptures, is that we are to glorify God. In, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, we're supposed to give all the glory to God. So that's with with everything that we do, our minds, our bodies, our souls, our spirit, and also our pocketbook. Um, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 through 35, we know that there's security in God alone. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and all things will be added unto you. So our security, all our money, everything that we need comes from God. We receive it from God and it's really his. Uh, next is we need to be in, entrusted with true riches. So like our riches that we're that we're trying to store up aren't our you know portfolios, our 401ks, all these things we're stocking up here. But we want a treasure in heaven. And then finally, um, our last one. I think we did six actually. I might have cheated. But Philippians chapter four verse eleven. And in this we learn to be content in all situations, whether rich or poor or whatever. It's all God. So that is our Forte 5, maybe our Forte 6. I'm not sure. We can count when we're listening back on the podcast. So that is the Forte 5. So today's been a fun show. I want to uh, thank you guys who uh, were, were uh, listening to the show live on Red Sea Radio. Um, I want to thank you guys who were, who were hanging out on Facebook Live here. This has been a fun show. Um, we will be back next week from 7 to 8 on Tuesday night. This show will be on a, a podcast on iTunes. I want to thank, uh, just take this opportunity to thank everybody who's given me some some birthday wishes today. Um, this has been fun. Jake, you had fun today? I sure did, and happy birthday, Taylor. Thanks, Jake. I appreciate that. Jake and I went and got coffee today, um, you know, kind of for work, but it was really to celebrate my birthday. So just to kind of recap what we did today, we talked about the importance of questions, um, importance of, of asking questions, like when you have questions and doubts in your faith, um, to like seek answers to those, right? Because they can be detrimental if we just let those questions stay, but they can lead us closer to God if we use those questions to f actually seek and find answers. Uh, my challenge for you this week is to ask, ask real questions of someone that you love in your life. Ask real questions of your spouse, of your kids, of, of, the, of people at your church. Ask real questions. And we will, I'll be back he, right here next week. The podcast will be out tomorrow on iTunes, so subscribe to that. We will see you in seven days. See you.